You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, it was Thursday. It does feel like quite a while ago, doesn't it? Yeah, it just wasn't Nevada's complete game, and I think if we would have guessed back in September or October that Nevada would advance to the Sweet 16 and lose to Loyola Chicago, absolutely no one would have believed you. So as disappointing as this game was, it was an excellent season for the Wolfpack, but jumping back into this game, Nevada had their struggles defensively, and they entered the Sweet 16 with by far the least efficient defense, and Loyola just carved up Nevada for much of the game, despite scoring just 69 points. Uh, they, I believe uh, I, I believe that uh, Loyola made its first 13 field goal attempts of the second half, and they led 40-28, to 28, which was their largest lead of the game with about 16 minutes to go. And Nevada climbed right back into it. Uh, they, they had this thing to a one-possession game. They had a chance down the stretch. Uh, they just could not finish the job, though. Uh, it was a disappointing finish for Nevada season, especially when you have guys like Kendall Stevens, who's playing in his last collegiate game. He went 0, 0 for 8 from deep. He was their three-point star throughout the season, all-time leader uh, in a single-season Mountain West three-pointers made. Uh, he really struggled, and uh, the defense just wasn't there. And Loyola just did their thing. They have a methodical style of offense, and they had just enough in the tank to get this thing done.
Yeah, it, it was just a blend of certain things. Nevada started off hot. They had a 20-8 to lead, and at the under-12 timeout, I, well, I guess it was prior to that, but it wasn't until under-12 timeout that I actually noticed it in the first half that Nevada had led more against Loyal than it had the rest of the tournament combined against both Texas and Cincinnati. And then uh, right after that, the tide started to turn and Loyal finished the final 10 minutes of the half outscoring Nevada 14-2, to had a ton of rhythm going into the second half, and uh, Nevada just did not have quite enough in the tank at the end of the game. And as much as Nevada had been labeled the, the comeback kids or comeback pack or whatever you wanted to call them, about the first two tournament games, the the likelihood of coming back from double-digit deficits in three consecutive tournament games is just so slim, uh, especially when you're facing off against a team like Loyola Chicago, which is just so good at passing the ball, and they have not one star that they go to. The, their player that has hit the key shot and key shots in all three of their first uh, NCAA tournament wins, they've, they've all been different individuals, and it just happened to be Marcus Towns on Thursday night against Nevada, hitting a huge three in the corner, which is a bit of a miscommunication on Nevada's end, but I still thought that they played pretty well. Um, Just, like I said, uh, just wasn't enough points down the stretch when you don't have production from your your main scorers, and uh, a few defensive lapses was just too much to overcome. Well, I guess, I guess going back to the big, the, going back to the big picture, and a lot of people commented on Nevada's style and their ISO, and and frankly, I think a lot of them haven't seen Nevada play all year long, uh, because they're mentioning some of the questionable shots that the Martin Twins were taking, or maybe Stevens, and of course, when you have a team that's oriented like Nevada's, you'll have possessions that end maybe not as you would hope. You have guys like Martin that can create, or both Cody and Caleb can create, and shoot a lot of ISO shots from the perimeter from deep two-point range. And there were a lot of those instances in this game, and they just didn't really fall. And and the shots that fell against Texas and Cincinnati, I mean, we see, uh, I think it was Caleb Martin who hit three or four three-pointers in the overtime period against Texas. He did the same thing against Texas that he did against Loyola. The shots just didn't fall against Loyola, and they went down playing their style of basketball, which I think is very important because in these big stages, a lot of teams try to be 
deceptive or change up what they usually do and the reason that they're in the tournament and Nevada stayed true to what their style of play was was uh, shoot threes and, and try to defend as much as they could and it just wasn't their night. When you have a guy like Kendall Stevens who's one of college basketball's all-time three-point shooters going over eight from the field and especially off some excellent looks, that's just an indication that things just probably won't end up the way that you had hoped. That's right. That's him. Yeah. But it's it's too bad his career ended that way, but he sure had one heck of a season. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying, and we saw that early on in the game. Nevada's passing the ball just fantastic. They had a number of drives and dishes that would come back inside, and, and Caroline got some easy baskets around the hoop. Both the Martin twins did. Uh, I think Caleb Martin had a nice flush after splitting a couple defenders. So you see both ends of it, but uh, like I like I said, you your team is is set up in the way that it can create shots, and it just sometimes it just doesn't fall and I think Nevada is one of the streakiest teams in the country and I sure saw a lot of people say that during this game when you have Nevada going up 12 and then going down 12 you can't find many games where where a team is up double digits and down double digits in the same game I think the the bigger question to ask 
which I have seen some people ask late in the game when Nevada was trailing and Loyal had the possession in which they hit the three, so they were up one at that point. Nevada hadn't fouled much in the second half. I think to that point they only had three or four team fouls, and so Loyola was nowhere near the bonus to get one-and-ones. Uh, but instead of fouling, Nevada opted to play the possession out, and I, I think it was about a four- or five-second differential between shot clock and game clock. And that was the same possession that Marcus Towns hit that three-pointer to give Loyola Chicago the four-point lead with just a handful of seconds left. And at that point, the game was just about over unless Nevada scored on that next possession, which it did, and then also forced a turnover because you can't foul three times in three or four seconds. Too much time runs out. So I was was a bit perplexed why there was no foul in that situation, especially when you have uh, just such a small amount of team fouls and you need to stop the clock and play catch-up. But maybe Musselman thought that there was enough time to get a stop. And, of course, you don't expect Loyola Chicago to jack up a three in the corner and, and make it. It was just an unbelievable shot by Marcus Town. So it was a mix of bad luck and, and just a difficult situation because, especially with how college basketball is like today, you, you won't find many games when you're 19 minutes and 30 seconds into the second half and you only have three or four team fouls. That, that just doesn't happen. Yeah, the the progression, I've attested that to a few times this year. It's been basically linear because in David Carter's final season before Eric Muscle took over, they had won seven Division One games. First year under Musselman, really starting to put some things together, takes that CBI title, then he uh, parlays that into an NCAA tournament berth in a one-bid league, and now as an at-large, it's seven, seven seed. Nevada had a legitimate chance to reach the Final Four. Uh, so it, it's been really cool to see Nevada's progression through the years, and you hope that they return most of the players for next season. I think you have a great shot at returning all of your key contributors and also adding on some just some excellent talent, a number of guys that contribute right away. I'll be curious to see how Musselman handles a roster that is far more deep because now you have at least eight or nine guys that could legitimately, legitimately start anywhere else in the Mountain West, and 
uh, a number of other places around the country. So I think Musselman will have a bit more of a bench at his disposal, and I'm curious to see how he works that around. I haven't, but I'm sure Nevada has plenty on that list. Best Nevada game on the list, it has to be the Cincinnati comeback from down 22. What? Really? Loyola? <laughs> okay, so I guess from a pure viewer's perspective, if I were, do you want me to rank the three games? Oh, any game in the NCAA tournament. Uh, probably Duke-Kansas. Okay, yeah. Uh, you can go either way with those. Mm -hmm. What? Okay, I don't know about that one. Does the okay? Does the real quick? Does the Rhode Island Oklahoma summary have does it have Trey Young's name on there? Oh, well, there it is. <laughs> there it is. Uh, I I think he played all right, but that game. From a viewer's, I I watched that game and I was entertained, no doubt. It was the first game to start off, I believe Thursday's round of sixty four games. Yeah, it was it was good and went to overtime. And I mean, for a tournament game, that's all you can ask for. But I think you could probably go with any of Nevada's three wins as a more entertaining forty or forty five minutes of basketball than that one. But hey, maybe I'm biased. Yeah, I don't know. See, the thing with big comebacks is it's almost a guarantee that at least half the game itself was bad. Like uh, up here in Seattle, a lot of a lot of my friends say that the Seahawks Packers NFC Championship game from a years from a few years ago was the best football game ever, and I, they remember quickly that about fifty five of the first sixty minutes of that game was absolute terrible. So, so you need at least half the game to be bad to have an awesome comeback. Mm-hmm. So how would you rank the three games that Nevada's played in terms of, I don't know, excitement or watchability or whatever it might be? Best. The the word best. Mm-hmm.
I was I was gonna mention, unless you were in the arena, I don't think there are any national or even local media people that actually watched the entire forty minutes of that game. I I didn't. I the first I don't know however many minutes of the second half I was coming home and I did not have the game on my phone and it was a blowout at that point. So <laughs> unless you are a diehard Nevada or Cincinnati fan or you're in the arena. You did not watch all 40 minutes of that game, and you can lie about it if you want, but there were other games on that were just as entertaining at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the number two to Nevada's number one in terms of Mountain West headlines this week. It was a rumor, and it was one that a rumor that we had talked about, but not for a second did we say that a super conference would be happening. Because, to be frankly honest, we don't even know who the other four teams were. I think Mark Ziegler from San Diego Union Tribune initially mentioned Gonzaga plus four other teams that could be interested in the Mountain West.
Yeah, it's it's just speculation. We don't even know who the teams are with 100% certainty. Yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. No, I, I said when we discussed this uh, um, with Mitch earlier on a, a few podcasts ago that I thought that it would happen, but I don't think it would happen this season. I just think the timetable might be a bit too tight. But I think Gonzaga's in the conference for 2019-2020. Yes. Yeah, it does seem. Do you, I mean, do you think it seems like a bit of a ploy to keep Gonzaga? Because you have to do far more than that. Yeah. Well, I, I yeah, I, I would say I do think that would push a team from a two seed to a one seed. But what I don't think is that Gonzaga will have two open spots and then they'll immediately be able to schedule top forty teams like it's nothing. That that stuff d- does not happen. Yeah, I mean it's a gimme. Yeah, they're not losing to the the low lifes of the WCC, and they're almost a lock. Pretty much are a lock to get to the WCC final year in and year out. And if they aren't, they probably have a good enough resume 
in the non-conference portion of the season to back it up regardless. Yeah, I see that it might be a bit of a knee-jerk reaction to St. Mary's' path to uh, the WCC semifinals this year because I think many quickly forget how close St. Mary's was to losing to Pepperdine in, in their first WCC game. And now, under this new proposed bracket, St. Mary's would be able to avoid that game. And maybe, in turn, they'd be able to avoid a bad loss. And uh, St. Mary's has been on the wrong side of the bubble in so many years. And if they can avoid a bad loss here and there, then that definitely benefits the conference overall if they're able to pick up a few more tournament bids. Yeah. Cool, that's a rough one. And Nico Nico Medved going to Colorado State. Yes, yeah, it is. It's fun because it's a 2012 Colorado State reunion with both Nico Medved and Craig Smith, who were assistants under Tim Miles, now landing Mountain West head coaching jobs. Yeah, I, I do. I think that's probably best case scenario for both of those programs, and they're getting the guys that they want who have previous ties with the conference and, and with the teams. So I think both will do just fine and um, will get their own respective programs turned around pr pretty quickly. I would say it probably happens maybe late this week or early next week. It does seem like they've narrowed their search down to about three or four guys, all of which who I think would do a tremendous job. The Fresno State has said publicly that they want heavy West Coast ties in, in recruiting savvy and I think all of the remaining candidates uh, check all those boxes so we'll keep you updated because I think that um, we'll, we'll certainly be in the scoop to some extent and uh, we'll let you know as soon as we can <laughs> yeah Who knows? <laughs> Oof. I like it. I like it, Jeremy.
I'm still going with Villanova. I still think Villanova gets it done. Michigan, yep. That's awesome. That is so cool.